and welcome to Get Me Another, a podcast where we explore those movies that followed in the wake of blockbuster hits and attempted to replicate their success. My name is Chris Iannacone, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Rob Lamorgis. Can I have fish? Yeah, you, you can have fish. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is our sixth episode in our series, Get Me Another, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. And this week, we'll be looking at two movies from the director of that film, Dario Argento. And we're very excited to have joining us today to discuss the second and third in what's called Argento's Animal Trilogy, two very special guests, Kevin and Aaron, from one of our favorite podcasts, The Podcast That Wouldn't Die. Welcome to the show. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, thank you. Uh, before we, we get underway here, can you tell us or tell our uh, our listeners who might not be familiar with the podcast that wouldn't die a little bit about it? Podcast that wouldn't die, we discuss guilty pleasures and forgotten classics of the horror and sci-fi genre with a comedic twist, we hope. Mostly horror. <laughs> we, we, I think we've done five sci-fi in, what, 20 years? That's not true. How dare you? <laughs> Well, I th- it's a great show. I mean, it's it, and you always cover such interesting movies that I love and think, oh, who's going to cover these? You know, except well, the podcast that wouldn't die. You know, obscure stuff from the seventies, which is just you know is is some of the best stuff. And uh, it's it is a terrific podcast, and and I highly recommend thank anyone you. out there who is not already listening to absolutely check it out. Well, thank you very much. Here, here. Oh, you're very welcome. (laughs) Following the worldwide success of The Bird with the Crystal Plumage in 1970, Dario Argento began work on a second Giallo film. Released just over a year later in February of 1971, this is The Cat-09 Tales. First, I gotta stop you right there. The huge success of The Bird with the Crystal Plumage? It was! It was a a success both in Italy and outside. Oh my. Like Romania? Well, maybe Czech yeah, Republic well, and, and, or... I mean, both on both sides of the Iron Curtain. You know, it's that's the <laughs> that's the big, beauty of it. Big in Romania, <laughs> yes. The masters of tension, who gave you the bird with the crystal plumage, the picture that outpsychoed Psycho, have now made a film nine times more suspenseful. <laughs> Cat and Nine Tales. The Nine Tales. It's nine times more suspenseful than the bird with the crystal plumage. Rated GP. The Cat of Nine Tales began as a collaboration between Dario Argento and Dardano Sacchetti, who also worked with Mario Bava on the story for his film Bay of Blood. Argento and Sacchetti had a very public falling out during the making of the Cat of Nine Tales over Argento taking the sole screenplay credit, leaving Sacchetti with only the story credit, which he shared with Argento and future Star Crash director... Luigi Cozy, who worked on the story for both of the oh, films today. A classic. Oh, God, Star Crash, a movie that we we did early in the show on our Get Me Another Star Wars series and positively broke our brains. It's got Marjo Gortner. I mean, what else do oh, we need to God. know? Oh, my God. Well, it's got Carol Monroe. I need to know that. Hasselhoff? Hassel- Hasselhoff. And knockoff <laughs> lightsabers. It's amazing. This film stars James Franciscus, Carl Malden, and Catherine Spack. And it's an interesting film, particularly in the context of the follow as a follow-up to Argento's Bird with the Crystal Plumage. It, I think it simultaneously feels like he's trying to work on a bit larger canvas here, uh, but at the same time, he, he's kind of restraining his stylistic impulses. 
And it, it feels more restrained than, frankly, some of the films we've been talking about in previous weeks with the, that are, are fo- that, that were other filmmakers following in the wake of Bird with the Crystal Blue. We open with Franco Arno, played by Carl Malden, a blind maker of crossword puzzles who lives with and cares for his young niece, Lori, who affectionately calls him Cookie. One night when the two are walking home, Arno hears a conversation between two men in a car. Something about blackmail. Lori's able to see one of the men's faces, but not the other. And right off the bat, while Bird with the Crystal Plumage revolves around the question of what do you see, this film revolves around the question of what did you hear? Or at least, I think it intends to. But to be honest, I feel like it doesn't really fulfill that promise. Uh, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage... What Sam believed he saw was fundamentally different from what he actually saw. But not so much in this film. There's no twist on what Arno heard. It's just that his niece couldn't make out the the face of the second guy. I mean, it's like, honestly, there would be no mystery if there was a little more light in that car. Right. You needed a better helper monkey. (laughs) Honestly, yes. Uh, Maybe an actual helper monkey. And you you thought maybe Carl Malden's like super hearing would come in later. Like, oh, damn, I heard something. Nope. (laughs) Nope. No, that, that doesn't really come in at all. I mean, it's, and let, let's be honest, the bird with the crystal plumage is a tough act to follow. And Argento must have felt an enormous amount of pressure, you know, to show that he wasn't a one trick pony, which he certainly wasn't. But this film, it doesn't, oddly, it just kind of feels like he's he's pulling back from, like, if you had told me that this movie was made before bird with the crystal plumage. I would believe you. Right. Uh, I, I know that it wasn't, but it, it kind of feels like it was. Like, it hasn't developed that far yet. The, the psychological edge that is so in the forefront in in bird just seems absent. Like, this is, again, the step back where this is more of a crimey plot. Yeah. More thrillery than, um, than deranged, right. I guess. Yes. Uh, which will show you my tastes. There is all that milk, though. Oh, oh there's so much milk. Deranged. There's too damn much milk. Absolutely. Um, I I haven't watched that many Jallos, honestly, but in my mind, there there should be more of like a horror kind of aspect to it. I know it's a crime story, right? But it, you'd think there would be like really a serious uh, like uh, a serial killer. So somebody's really on the loose. And in this one, it felt they kind of leaned much more into kind of like it's a mystery, although a lousy one. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the greatest of mystery. Uh, absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah, totally. And and it, it, it doesn't feel like there's anything like they're all mysteries. But here it doesn't feel like you're pulling back the layers in a way that it, it, it sort of reveals something in a way that the end of Bird with the Crystal Plumage feels like, oh, that's that's a reveal I didn't expect here. It's like, well, we get to the end and we find out who the killer was. Could have been anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was one dude. Well, and I'm I'm bummed because I didn't finish uh, the bird with the crystal plumage because I was watching Four Flies oh, and, yeah. on Plex, and then it just rolled over. <laughs> and basically, when uh-huh. I realized the bird with the crystal plumage is some African bird, not this Siberian weird bird that could only live in I don't know Italy. Is that true? I didn't know. I just assumed. I assumed they were telling. I assume movies tell me the truth. Like it was in a weird Siberian bird. It's uh, my God. I mean. <laughs> 
And I mean, the things. Are, what, what will I learn next? That was just a plot yes. convenience. And literally, oh. that's the point. I stopped watching because it was too late. It was time for me to watch Seinfeld, so I'm gonna sleep. <laughs> so that night, Arno hears sounds from the Tertsey Medical Institute, which is near their apartment. And there's a break in. We hear like a night watchman being attacked. At first, I thought like I saw a man being shot with a gun with a silencer, but it was just a dude being hit by a lead pipe. Right. I had more issues determining what I heard than Arno does. Like, I I was like, wait, was that a gunshot, a silenced gunshot? No, it's just one of the ways to kill somebody in Clue. Yes. (laughs) With a candlestick in the observatory? It could have been the candlestick. It could have been the rope in the ballroom (laughs) or, or, or possibly the wrench in the library. But for sure it was Colonel Mustard. It's always Colonel Mustard. It's Colonel Mustard or maybe Miss Scarlet sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I was confused in the beginning too uh because at first I thought the killer saw Franco. Right. right. We're coming to get and him. And was right? going to go get him. Right. And and then no, it just goes into, you know, the institute it just completely right off the bat. And look, I am used to like 50 60 minutes in being totally befuddled by what's going on in a giallo movie. Right. And having no idea. But usually I'm okay in the first 5 minutes. Uh, <laughs> that was not the case here right as the police investigate the next day nothing appears to have been taken at the uh, at the institute and we're introduced to reporter carlo giordani played by my second favorite lead actor in a planet of the apes movie who wasn't actually playing an ape (laughs) uh james franciscus he's up there and it's what's interesting is that the the head of the tertsey institute mr tertsey dr tertsey i suppose he went to he went to medical school presumably if he's mucking around with genetics (laughs) hopefully i would hope or he's just a mad scientist, but it, he didn't. He didn't get a PhD for you to call him <laughs> Mister. Yes, you know what? I what do we learn about that guy? I, I go that guy nothing. I, I, I absolutely. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But like, here's the thing: is that like the 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 institute people are completely. They seem completely uninterested. They're like, well, nothing was taken, and even one guy's like, oh, maybe it was industrial espionage. <laughs> maybe it was industrial espionage. <laughs> Oh goodness! We cut nothing here. Get me another, including my inability to say industrial espionage. Is there a lot of industrial espionage in the geneticism game? On geneticism in nineteen seventy-one, like like Watson and Crick had just like cracked the double helix like like a couple of years ago. Like it's not like now where you you could you know you could create con right. You know it's literally. Literally, you know, or any kind of, you know, whether it's Ricardo Montalban or 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 Benedict Cumberbatch or whoever plays Khan now, who knows? Benedict Cumberbatch plays Khan now. Yeah, well, he was in it was in one of the two uh, the J.J. Abrams Star, Star Trek, Trek Into Darkness. Uh, into Darkness, indeed. Uh, only the audience went there. Very sad. Into Darkness, uh, a movie that led a franchise <laughs> into darkness. Ooh, <laughs> but like it, it's it's what's funny is that. Like, like this genetic plot must have seemed like science fiction in 1971 and it's like it's like Blofeld's bacteriological warfare plot in On Her Majesty's Secret Service must have seemed so far fetched and I'm like it's being carried out now yes. like there's a clinic down the street that's probably doing that kind of research Right this now. is old Nazi stuff, you know, so I can see the Italians with their fascism marching right on through with this. <laughs> they found their secret book. There it is. <laughs> uh, so, 
<laughs> it didn't take long to get to Mussolini. It only took six episodes to get to Mussolini. Boom! Uh, so the, the architect of this, the Institute's lobby, by the way, must have been the same guy who did the Ranieri Gallery in Bird with the Crystal Plumage, because it's that floor-to-ceiling bright marble. That's my key takeaway with this movie, is that unlike other Gialli, I I don't want to live here even knowing I'm going to get murdered. It's not, <laughs> even it's not like La Dolce Vita with a body count, which is what right. I crave. Um, and that, I think, is part of the restraint that you're talking. I don't know if, if he was holding back for the international market or what. I don't know. Like I, 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 I can see how he wouldn't want to get pegged as style over substance, so I'm going to pull back on the style. But then he's also pulling back on the substance, too. So it's like, well, you're. I guess you're – you know, that's where it goes. I mean, you do have a head getting popped by a train, so I can't. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. There are yeah. some really good moments, and and it's uh, and we do have a head that goes straight into a train. Yeah. Well, what happens is is one of the the, the doctors from the institute, Doctor Calabrese, confides in his fiance Bianca that. He knows who broke into the Institute and why. By the way, I'm not sure smoking around genetic samples is a pretty great idea. Just just throwing that out there, Dr. Calabrese. The ash is the is the control. <laughs> Dr. Calabrese goes to meet an unknown party at a train station and as we alluded to he's pushed into an oncoming train and holy shit he takes that train to the face it is it, it is one of the few moments where I feel like Argento was letting loose and a photographer gets a picture of Calabrese just as he falls we get we get all we see of the killer is this bloodshot eye and reading about the incident the following day, Arno and Lori determine that the man killed by the train was the same one that Lori saw talking in the car. Can I try it? Go ahead. Be my guest. C L. Cloud? No, 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 no. Here's C L. Ear. Clear, huh? H. He's dead. R. Who? Who's that? The man you told me to look at the other night. You know, the one in the car. Yes. The paper says so. Scientist crushed by train. Dr. Calabresi, research analyst for the Terzi Institute, was killed in a tragic accident at the railroad station. There's a picture of him. Describe the picture. It shows the man. And he's falling. And there's a train. Who wrote the article? Carlo Giordani. And they go to see Giordani, and Arno tells him he used to be a reporter who lost his sight in an accident, and he wonders if the photo was cropped. And he call, they call the photo technician, but before they can make it over to take a look, the photo technician is murdered and the materials are taken. And that's the pattern for this film is they find a clue that might reveal the killer just to have the killer show up 
kill somebody and snatch the clue away at the last minute and then rinse repeat. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've talked about this before. In Giallo, there's a lot of, I know who the killer is, I'll tell you later. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there in about an hour and a half. <laughs> that is actually said in the second film where it's like, well, I, I, I don't want to say it might be a red herring. Like, oh, well, you know what? Just let us let us say it on the phone. It's okay. Exactly. You're not being wiretapped as far as you know. <laughs> Can we just go back to the fact that the train station was literally, there's a thousand people there, half of them photographers with, with uh, cameras. Oh, it was packed. I mean, that's a bold move. There was a there was a movie star coming in on one of the trains yes. that they were all there for. You know, he didn't hit him on the head and then in an alley somewhere. He did it in full broad daylight <laughs> in front of a thousand people. And then all the cameras just switched over to the movie star. <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Absolutely. Now we get we get Arno and Giordani basically teaming up at this point. Oh, we're going to solve the mystery together. And and that's that's interesting. Like I kind of I like the idea of like oh the young reporter and the and the and the older blind guy who's got experience. That's a really great concept. But here's the thing: they do so little of the detective work together. Like they they're apart for so much of the movie. I'm like, why why even bother pairing? Why are they even involved in any of this? <laughs> this is all their own faults. Do the police solve nothing? They in do Italy? have cops in Italy. No, they don't. It's <laughs> got to be old blind man and what was the other dude? A reporter. Yeah. They solve all the crime in, in fucking Rome or whatever. Uh, unless you're Giancarlo Giannini, it's very rare that the cops actually solve anything. That's true. Yeah. The, the only conviction you get is with a bullet to the head, I think, in Giallo. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and the killer is usually killed. So there's no, I mean, the court have even less to do uh, as, as we've we've talked about previously man Italian courts in the 70s they were that was a that was an easy that was easy street man <laughs> it was a ghost town there was no reason to even have them frankly like I think of all the movies this is our sixth episode we've had like 10, ten movies before now I think there's literally been like one arrest I was gonna say no one in can no one in handcuffs like well I think yeah, one time butterfly I think yeah Bloodstained Butterfly, I think, is the only one. That's because the the courts are packed with prosecuting filmmakers for yes. making movies That's true. at the time, yes. so they didn't have they did not have room. Cannibal Holocaust. Oh yeah. So Arno and Giordani they team up, and Arno says there's nine leads, which he compares to a cat of nine tails. So that's where the movie's title comes from, and it's not like a mutant cat. It, there's no nine-tailed whip. It's a metaphor. It's deep, man. Yes. They were so determined to have an animal title. You could have called this anything. Yes. <laughs> you know, you could have called it the XYY murders. We'll get to that. Like something. But you had to cat of nine. It's so stupid. Pretty fucking thing. Like it's just, it's, it's really fucking. And, and they, the, the leads are the five remaining scientists at the Institute uh, including Tertsy. There's Tertsy's daughter, Anna, who we'll get to in a minute. And then the dead man's fiance, Bianca. And then they throw in the break-in. And Craftwork comb-over. You forgot Craftwork comb-over. Well, they, they, throw in, they throw in the break-in and, and the theft of the photographs as more leads because I guess Cat of Seven Tales is an even worse title. <laughs> yeah. and, and and you get a large soda if you get the, the Nine Tales meal package. So, yes. <laughs> Oh my it's god! I mean, you know they still have leftovers of that when they 
when that when they're doing the Eras tour and they run out of the Eras tours Taylor Swift popcorn buckets, they still give them cat of nine tails <laughs> popcorn buckets, they, they and them. the kids the kids are disappointed. I won't lie to you; they wanted the Taylor Swift one. <laughs> give the killer a whip, have him whip a couple people, and you're good to go. Yes, boom. That's all you need. I, I want to send you a in a time machine, Kevin. <laughs> Put a cat walk by what... from time to time. <laughs> something. Couldn't the blind guy have a cat? Italian, Italian, older Italian men love cats. <laughs> I've seen The Godfather. We got to see. We got to see a bird with a crystal yes. plumage yes. in the bird with the crystal plumage. They're getting it wrong. Hell, I, I got to see a bloodstained butterfly and a, a you know, or a, or a, a what was black belly I mean, and a tarantula. The, the fucking black belly and tarantula. I had to yeah. fucking adore looking at a tarantula. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I couldn't let my wife watch that one. Like, it, it just, it's too gross. Yeah, it's, it's all very, it just feels thin. It does. So, like. Arno and Lori, they they go see Bianca, who the 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 dead man's fiance, who uh, and they don't really get much out of her except the drawing attention to a locket that will be important later, but isn't important yet. And then Giordano goes to see Anna. Well, here's a horse of a different color, where the, the, there's very flirtatious sort of back and forth, and Anna drives Giordani's car like she's a goddamn maniac. She drives like an Italian. I was just going to say, it's Italy. <laughs> and then afterwards, they go to this rooftop bar, and she tells him that the Institute's primary research is into the XXY chromosome which might be indicative of criminal behavior. And then at the rooftop bar, I mean, it's really cool. Like, they're there for a while because the sun goes down. Yeah. Uh, there's a live band with a clarinet player who I thought was going to start playing a Tarantella or, alternatively, Pop Goes the Weasel. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess in the beginning, he seemed so jazzed by trying to find the killer and then he's just wasting pretty much an entire day on a date. It's not a bad date. Yeah. It's research. You know, and, and he can write off those expenses, I, I presume. Can he? Like and I guess we generally better in a giallo, yes, to hang out with, uh, with the uh, beautiful woman. Uh, usually when you reject a beautiful woman, you will be murdered uh, pretty quickly. That's what you get. Yes. What we've learned is giallo logic the opposite of American logic, the people who don't have sex get killed. That's standard. It's a life lesson. It's Italy. That's how they do it. <laughs> Honestly, the scene that had the most Giallo-style tension is when Giordano goes to that barber. The crazy barber. Where he's getting oh, a man. shave. Oh, my God. And the barber's talking about how good a murderer he would be. And I'm just like, like Giordani gets <laughs> out fun. of there. And I don't blame him. Like, holy shit. He's a little too into it. He might have that extra chromosome. I don't trust anybody enough to, to straight raise or shave me. I just, I, you know, I love people, but I, that's that's, just, that's farther than I'm willing to <laughs> I go. I love people, so please shave me. <laughs> well, he wasn't even one of the tails on the cat or whatever. He was just some dude. No, he was just a fucking crazy barber. Just rando. Newsflash, pal. If you want to keep your business and you you got literally a knife at someone's throat, don't start talking about cutting it. Don't do it. It's not the way to go. Giordani goes to see one of the scientists, Dr. Braun, in a gay club. And it's interesting. This is seen as kind of an interesting counterpoint to the gay shopkeeper in Bird, where Sam Dalmas in that movie is kind of unnerved by the man's homosexuality. Here, Giordani displays no such uncomfortableness. And and while like his 
the fact that he's gay is part of the plot. It's not played in any way that's that seems judgmental. Especially for Italian films. It, it, it was pretty even. In the early 70s. It was pretty even it was, Yeah, it, it was like... Franciscus was cool. He wasn't super homophobic. <laughs> they also talked to another scientist, Dr. Cassoni, who gives them basically the same information that Anna did. Uh, it's like, oh, well, we'll repeat that beat, uh, except in a little bit more detail. And with the addition that this genetic testing could be used to determine if someone had criminal tendencies. So then you open the camps and then you start filling it in again. It all goes back. It's very unsettling. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the movie doesn't play into that that much at all. That's just understood. That's just what I mean, you would that's do. the thing. What are you doing with this information? Is it just kind of, oh, that's interesting? Or are you rounding people up? It's nefarious. It totally is. I mean, truthfully, this movie feels like a lot of ideas that were in the first draft stage. It was like, oh, this is like, oh, the X, I read about the XXY chromosomes in a magazine article on an Alitalia flight. And oh, let me put that in my movie. But I'm not really kind of like, working out the details where right. it kind of means anything. Yeah, I, I, I really don't want genetics in my Giallo <laughs> film. I want it to be about is dreaming like life or sex? <laughs> is it pain? Like this this is what so I Clyde need Barker, for. if he did. Oh Giallo. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well and we talked in in Bird with the Crystal Plumage, that art gallery looks like clive a clive barker dream that's right yeah <laughs> that was that was pretty interesting i have to say it's i mean it's like i don't want genetics in my star wars don't talk to me about midichlorians i just oh, i just want it to be a mystical force energy i don't need to know that you can measure it with like a like a a, a blood testing thing like for a diabetic or something pee on a stick <laughs> pee, pee on a stick <laughs> It, or crap in a box, if you will. Oh, no, I'm force-sensitive. <laughs> yeah, you have to mail it in. Thankfully, if, if it's all good, you don't have to go in for further Jedi testing. <laughs> Honestly, the most significant clue is not uncovered by either Arno or Giordani, but by Bianca, the, the fiancé, who goes to the train station. She actually goes to the train station, finds her fiancé's car, and a note with the name of the person he was meeting that day who presumably killed him. She puts the note in the locket. The locket's now important. And then she calls Arno and she says she knows who the killer is. But. And does she tell <laughs> Arno who the killer is on the phone? No, she says, oh, well, I'll tell you when you get here. I, uh, caramba. I mean, uh, you might as well say, I mean, you might as well say, I'll be right back. Right. You might as well throw it in the street and, and then just go ahead and lay down in the street because yeah. you're yes. done. And, and our listeners can't can't see, but I saw both of our guests put their face in their hands <laughs> at the mention of not saying who the killer was at that moment. They, you, you relived it and I got to see it. It was amazing. It's true. I'm having flashbacks. I don't need to tell you what happens next. She she gets killed too. And and it, it's amazing how the killer waits until just before the victims are about to provide a key right. piece of information to like he's he honestly he's he he's he's kind of a psychic because he knows exactly when they're gonna make that phone call or exactly when they're gonna do that thing to he to wait to strike. I like to think he's like standing right behind. No, yeah. too soon. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. 
Get it's close. Italian. You got to put out okay. the drama. That's, I mean, there it is. <laughs> I mean, consider this possibility. The clinic break-in was always going to happen. And the uh, the first guy, the guy who went face first in the train was probably always going to die. But if they hadn't pursued the investigation further, nobody else would have died. Like it's Planet of the Apes, Substitute, and, and, and Carl Malden who are killing all these people inadvertently. It's true. Dude, I was hoping it was Carl Malden the whole time. I'm yeah. like, this isn't his, this isn't his niece. He's not blind. Here we go. And none of that. It's like Black Belly of the Tarantula, right? I thought that was coming back. Yep. I'm not really yep. blind. Oh. <laughs> so spoiler alert. No, he he's got a he's got like a knife in his cane. You're blind! Who carries that? Well, he's blind! Is he just stabbing? Just God damn it. He's just stabbing people left and fucking right. You just fucking use the force. You don't need that. That, That's the first rule, man. I don't care what your midichlorian count is. (laughs) He's one in the forest, and the forest is one with him. (laughs) That took an extra beat, and it was really worth it. It was really good. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> Wait a minute, can we, can we go back a second? We when when Carl Malden is walking with his quote unquote niece, niece, they don't identify their relationship for 45 minutes. I don't know if he's the neighborhood <laughs> pedo or what the situation is. I was hoping this was not a Lolita oh, situation. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> well, especially considering oh. the reveal later. Yes. The reveal later, which honestly has nothing to do with the mystery no! overall. We'll get to that, but it's completely it's completely unrelated. But I'll 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 give him a little bit of credit that Franco is the only one who does what you should when he sends his niece away. Yes. Finally. And I don't, I don't even know if we've gone past that in the story or if we're still getting there, but we're all he, he actually sends the niece far away. Newsflash, the killer finds her anyway, because if you have a niece, it's, it's like Chekhov's niece. Yes. Yeah. You don't just have that niece on the mantelpiece for nothing. You do not. No. I was hoping that she was the killer, perhaps. That'd be no. amazing. That'd be a twist. <laughs> we like an orphan yeah. situation. She's really 35. Yes. Yes. I'd like to talk about milk for a few minutes, if it's all right. Oh, please. Oh, my God. I was like, more milk, more milk. Well, first of all, okay, so Giordani goes back to his apartment. (laughs) And before he gets there, there's apparently milk on the doorstep. Now, I I am old enough, and I lived in an area where at one time we actually did have milk delivery. We had a, we had a, box they didn't just leave it on our doorstep and it didn't come in a fucking bag either or origami or whatever two origami looking bags it's like and and like in the shape of i don't know what like a but pyramid or something like yeah i'm not sure a bag is the best way to transport milk like it just feels like that's a problem and but giordani he collects his milk and anna then shows up and giordani I mean, he's a smooth one, I'll tell you that. Like, he he makes a crack about her being on the wrong side of the tracks, and he gives her a terrible line about asking how many people are making love at the moment. Smooth. The answer is 780 on average. That seems low for Italy in the 70s. That's true. Like, that just seems low. <laughs> that was on that block, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was in that apartment complex. Yes. Um, and then, you know, but it works, because Anna has got a Velcro blouse that she just takes off. Convenient. Honestly, amazing. (laughs) 
amazing. Uh, uh, it's it's fantastic. And and they're off to the races. Meanwhile, the milk has not been refrigerated. And God knows how long. <laughs> For God knows how many God hours. Knows. How long? It was. It, that was my note. Was there's nothing more refreshing after sex than a nice glass of room temperature milk. It's still got a little of the cow temperature going. That's what you want. Even if the milk wasn't poisoned, he should probably put it in the refrigerator. I hate to, I hate to spoil this. Like the milk? But it is my under, it's my understanding that European milk is shelf stable a bit more if you don't open it. But it's in a bag! The thing was leaking! It was leaking all over the guy. The thing was, like, sweating! Wow. Well, and it was leaking because it also got the poca-poca. Right, he stabbed well. it with a syringe. Oh, well, that's and, true. And, yeah, yes. but, like, he has sex with her. But the more they had sex, the more milk was spilling out sweating. onto the onto table. Onto the coffee table is covered with milk! That's the metaphor. There's nothing sexier <laughs> than the milk all over Good. a table. Well, and then, of course, he offers her a glass of milk, and and we have that incredible milk cam shot as the as the two glasses are being brought over to Anna, and then finally, at the last minute, he notices the milk is all over the table from where the bag is punctured, and he puts two and two together, uh, and then he talks to Arno on the phone, and we learn there was an attempt on his life right. too. That might have been exciting to see, but it happens off camera. <laughs> You can have the milk, or you can have the other attempt. I'm still thinking about being hot and sweaty, and someone gives you a nice hot glass of milk. <laughs> There's nothing like hot milk <laughs> to replenish your electrolytes. Oh god, that's you know, I mean, <laughs> in your hot apartment and uh... in your, your unair conditioned walk up apartment in Italy <laughs> in, in Rome in 1971 <laughs> in the height of summer. You know. I like to think it's like August, so it's also like 70% humidity. <laughs> and I, I, I realize I'm just some jerk sitting in his bedroom right now, but Argento is so visually restrained almost this entire movie, and yet the, the hero shot comes <laughs> with milk. <laughs> like, what? What happened? What was the thought process? I get that it's like a poison clue and we're following it. Like hit, it's the bomb under the table for Hitchcock or whatever. But sure. like still, um, although I, I do want to mention that spiral staircase yes. leading to the milk at his apartment building is, is a fantastic. It, it, yeah. it is. It is that, that spiral staircase shot is classic Argento. You're, you're clearly on the way to Suspiria at that point, but you know, it, it, th- now we've taken a detour into an episode of Kojak. <laughs> Is there a lot of milk splashing around in Kojak? Oh, there's milk. Oh, there's you got. It's more milk than in the A team. You know, it's where they dad have to drug BA to get on a plane every week. That's exactly right. Well, and the only way this plan works is if they know that James Franciscus is like, I, I fucking gotta hit this milk right now. I can't wait for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> right? Because because Arno it's is calling. It's gonna spill me. out. Like, like, in, in, if they, if if he just said, if he wasn't hitting it with Anna, yes. and was just saying, you know, like, hey, listen, there's no call for milk because I haven't had sex with an Italian bird tonight. That's correct. Then it would have just spilled out. Yes. I mean, onto the coffee table. I mean, into the refrigerator. If you're someone who refrigerates your milk, like a like a normal like a person. Normal person. <laughs> 
like a non-Italian. I mean, like a non. PowerPoint. I, I could see Carlo licking the milk off the table. I don't think. It, I think it would have worked. It would have worked, even if it all spilled out. And then you have to understand that if you see spilled milk, of course it means it's been poisoned. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, you put two two together and came up with, oh shit, don't drink the milk. Absolutely, must be poison. Why else would milk leak? That's the real reason you don't cry over spilled milk. Because you're dead dead from poison. I appreciated him getting out of bed after having sex and immediately putting a trench coat on. Just to wander around his room. (laughs) There's a lot of milk flying. This is not Oppenheimer, you know, where you can just sit there naked and figure out the atomic bomb. This this is honestly my favorite scene in cinema. Okay. Oh, it's amazing. It is goddamn amazing. It's amazing. It's my that's my favorite statement of this podcast. <laughs> I gotta say, I really like Catadine Tales. I, I really like it. It's got all this yes. just bizarroness yes. going on. You can't deny it. it. It's because it, here's the thing, and, th- and this is why I feel a little bit bad because, like, you have this, you have Bird with the Crystal Plumage on one end, you have Deep Red on the other, and they're kind of brilliant. Brilliant. And then you have Cat of Nine Tails, which feels like a TV movie, a good TV movie, but a TV movie. And then we'll get into Four Flies from Gr- on Very Velvet, which is, I think, a little bit more interesting of a film, although it's certainly bizarre <laughs> in its own ways. You know, the, the whole made for TV movie is the fact that it's Carl Malden and James Franciscus. <laughs> That's when, they, when I saw Carl walk across, I'm like, whoa, what the? I mean, I just remember him from the American Express commercials back in like 82. <laughs> nice. That is that is a deep cut, and we're here for it. I remember in my first Carl Malden memory, I can't, I, uh, that was, the, which is honestly something I never thought I'd say, was in the 1985 Alice in Wonderland miniseries where he was. Uh, I believe the walrus in the walrus in the carpenter sequence. Holy shit! First of all, there was a series. Oh, there was it was a two night event. I saw it when it aired, and it, it's still my favorite adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. That's some shit. Ooh. So Carl Malden was in a story within the story of Alice in Wonderland. So yes, he's on, he's on screen for about uh, what three minutes. Well, he's got a whole song. <laughs> that is true. It's the extended Carl version. Malden sings. Well. Who play- he played the walrus. Who played the carpenter? James Franciscus? <laughs> James, <laughs> it was. Would have been amazing. That would have been so good. Honestly, now I want to go back and do the special edition and digitally insert James Franciscus. I think he was available. Into- <laughs> so we get past the milk section, and then there's this whole pointless section with Giordani where he gets this reformed thief <sighs> to help him to break into director Terzi's house. And the, the reform thing does remind me of some of the more colorful characters from Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Yes. But all of this is is in aid of finding documents that indicate Anna was adopted when she was a teenager and that Tertsi is into her, which is A, gross, and B, has nothing to do with the resolution of the plot nope. whatsoever. Nothing. Nope. It just, it, it's not like, oh, that's the secret that's going to unlock you know, it's not like it's not like a bird with the crystal blue where he goes and visits the artist and he gets there right. sort of a key piece of information. This is just an aside, so James Franciscus can fuck up his relationship. So he feels okay <laughs> about uh, hitting it with her, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess at that point, because yeah. uh, you know. he was very conflicted. 
up to that point, as, as I'm sure you imagine. Yeah. But when he's flipping through the journal, it was like one sentence on each page. And I always appreciated that just to walk us through the, <laughs> the thought. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it easier to watch. Yeah. To read. You know, it's uh, it's not like, oh, it's That's and it was helpful. in English. That's helpful. But I think it's this this whole sequence area that unlocks the use of a split diopter, though, if I'm not mistaken. So yes, I believe you are right. That is the most important part. Uh, more important than the diary. Uh, we owe it. We, we, anything for yeah. a split diopter shot, absolutely. But uh, and just to tease, because uh, in our next film, I was blown away by the use of split diopter oh, in yeah. a certain scene. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and then we have a section where it's revealed that the late Bianca was a corporate spy and she was working with Braun. That makes Braun the prime suspect for about five minutes. Uh, and then he turns up dead. And and to quote one of the, I think it's Carl Malton says it. It's like, he's like, zero, zero, zero. When you add it, when you add it up, we're right back where we started. And I'm just like, no shit, pal. So is the audience. <laughs> You have discovered nothing. And finally, they realize that the kill the locket that Bianca hid the note on had the killer's name. And that is the primary problem with this movie, actually, is that it takes the characters way too long to figure out something the audience already knows. Right. Right. When the, when in a movie like this, the audience shouldn't be able to figure out anything. That is the that's the wonder of Giallo. It's <laughs> you're supposed to feel confused at least. Yes. So anyway, the locket was buried with Bianca, so they have a little light grave robbing to do. <laughs> By the way, I noticed on her on her casket, Bianca was 26. Yes. Mm. Oh boy. Like people lived harder in, in Italy back in the 70s. <laughs> Very attractive, but not 26, I'm just saying. It was a harder life back in the 70s. <laughs> well, you know, the milk wasn't wasn't cold. It was it was because of the room temperature milk, I would think. That was it. And they don't refrigerate no, their eggs. No, it was also poisoned. And and they could be poisoned well, You also. never know. And I mean, just check them for, for syringe marks. It's always, that's a, just a general safety tip for your eggs. <laughs> so Giordani, he, they go into the crypt, they open the casket, they find the locket, and rather than just taking it and getting the fuck out of there, they fuck around for a while, like giving the killer time to close the door and trap Giordani inside. And then there's this, like, with with the locket, like Arno, they gave the locket with the paper to the blind guy who can't read it. And he's outside. What can, I can't see. What does that say? Yeah, it's not <laughs> a newsflash. The piece of paper's not in Braille. Yes. Well, I appreciated that he put uh, Arno uh, to stand watch the blind guy. <laughs> hey, he's got a cane sword, which comes in handy. <laughs> it does. Like, there's a struggle. We And one of the more effective sequences, there's a struggle that we hear outside the crypt while, while James Franciscus is locked inside. Yes. And then... Then a moment later, the door opens and, uh, you know, Ardo has stabbed the killer with the with his knife hidden in a cane, which we hadn't seen until that point. Yes. And man, I mean, I guess lucky it wasn't some guy just there, you know, like the night watchman. The groundskeeper. Like, hey, you guys are breaking into a crypt. Oh, well, hey, I got stabbed by a yes, blind they, guy. These are not police officers. These are two. They are not. They are not law all. enforcement of any kind. <laughs> It's 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 a, a a reporter and a dude who makes crossword puzzles. Absolutely, they they break into a family plot, defile a corpse. <laughs> I mean, the least that should. They don't even do it with it speed. It's critical. It's critical to take the blind man with you wherever you go. 
<laughs> How will you ever solve it otherwise? I mean, and frankly, what happens later in the movie is he's the, the blind guy's the one who handles his biz. Where Francisca's getting his ass kicked. No, that's true. Yeah. Which is where it's because it's been, I think, uh, two or three episodes since uh, we've wanted to um, take an old Giallo property and make a new franchise. I want a series of Franco Arno (laughs) films where he kicks ass with his hidden sword cane thing and just uh, solves all the crimes, man. Oh, it's like it's like the Giallo crime solving version of of Zatoich, the blind swordsman. Yes. Or blind. What is it? Blind Fury. Blind Fury. Oh, Rucker House. So good. Who who are you casting as Arno in the modern day Arno? Who would be Adam Driver? Uh, he could plausibly play Italians for sure. <laughs> yeah, House of Gucci. I mean, he could be solving crosswords. <laughs> Adam Driver's accent in the House of Gucci was it was it was a Kevin Costner version <laughs> of Robin Hood. It was such crap. It was borderline offensive, no question. <laughs> It was all just terrible. Oh my god! He just gave up halfway through. I think. Oh god! It's it's not, it's like it's Kevin Klein in the January Man. I love the January Man. Yeah, but his New York accent is the it's, worst. It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> Well, it's like he's a firefighter, and he's there. He's there with you know Harvey Keitel, who you know plausibly plays a New Yorker, you know very well. His brother Harvey Keitel in the January Man. His bro- his brother Kevin Klein and Harvey. This is a, we've gone on a, on a tangent here, but folks, check out the January Man to watch Harvey Keitel and Kevin Klein play brothers, and Rod Steiger chew scenery as like the mayor of New York in a way that you would never see. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. We're going to, we're going to find that audio and put and that in this, in this podcast. We're going to, we're going to, first time we're going to put audio for a movie we're not talking about, but you won't believe Rod Steiger. And it's a murder mystery. It's like a giallo, if you will. Yeah, Why sure. Not? Yeah. You got to, yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 oh, we'll do a <laughs> special on the January. Man. You guys can come back to do the January, oh, man. <laughs> so they, they, after they find out, they get a call from the killer who has taken Lori and is going to kill her if they don't stop their investigation, despite the fact that the one piece of evidence that he's already, he's already taken from them before they had a chance to read it. Nevertheless, he's going to threaten a child, and 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 you know that's where we go. I think what we're going to do. I think this point we should put in our spoiler line. Um, so if if you have listened to this conversation and said, "Oh my God, I want to watch the Cat of Nine Tales," and you know what, it's a better movie than we're giving it credit for. Admittedly, it's fun. He said, "I want to watch without knowing who the killer is." You can just cut. You know, you could just fast forward the next chapter. You can skip to the next chapter, and and we'll talk about Four Flies from on Gray Velvet. So here we go. We're going to get into the resolution of the mystery. For At last, they get the police involved. Thank goodness. And they go and they search Tertsy's home, which leads to nothing except Giordano accusing Anna of sleeping with her adoptive father, which she basically confirms. And that probably closes the door on a relationship or any further romance. That's the kiss of death. Because once you make that accusation, true or not, uh, she's probably not going to sleep with you again. No matter how much milk yeah, you she, give her. She, that's icky. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. It's it's <laughs> it's horrible. And then we, what happens, they go and search the Institute. And, and Arno and Giordani and the police, they search the clinic and they find the culprit on the roof. There's a good scene where like the 
they, they find nobody there and the blood is dripping down and uh, and it lands. And who discovers that blood dripping down? It was, it was the 18 million cops that were there, right? No, it's James Franciscus. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The cops discover nothing in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Thankfully, the blood didn't drip down on Arno or he wouldn't have seen it. With his keen investigative skills, yes. Then, then there's, a, there's a prolonged fight on the rooftop, which is pretty good, I gotta say. And the killer is Dr. Cassoni, who turns out has tested positive for the XXY chromosome himself. And he broke into the Institute that first night to switch the records, which he did successfully. He, he makes a move that is inexplicable to me, where he actually says to Arno that he killed Lori. And Arno understandably freaks the fuck out at that and throws Cassoni down an elevator shaft to his death. Which is pretty amazing. I love that. Right the cable. Oh, I- it's fantastic. Going down the ca- it looks great. Yeah. And and in the end, we hear Lori calling out for Arno. She is in fact alive. Uh, and the question it is, is was it the XXY chromosome that was, you know, driving him? And don't offer up your DNA to get tested if you think you might have the crazies inside. Well, there's the real moral of the story is don't offer up your DNA to get tested if you think you might have the crazies. That's why I don't do the 23 and me. <laughs> I don't want to know anything they got to tell no. me. You might have an extra chromosome. What are you saying? <laughs> it, it feels like a movie of incomplete ideas. Like, it, it, there's just interesting stuff and but it doesn't quite go all the way for it and like i said it, it feels like a tv movie of an argento movie which is still better than many things yeah but is not is it doesn't feel like a full on like it doesn't it doesn't seem to have the 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 depth of deep red or bird with the crystal plumage not at all well it's it's that thing where it's like is this a reason to kill a bunch of people no right you know what I mean? It just seemed a little, a little extreme of a reaction. Like, well, I guess it's because he had the XXY chromosome. There it is. He couldn't help himself. He couldn't help himself. He was, th- there's the, the possibility that this guy was always going to be a killer. And it was just the, you know, his 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 company's pioneering of the 23andMe technology that, uh, that, that brought it to the surface. <laughs> but if this guy was just a chef or something, would he have turned into a killer? Or was it? Literally, this working here with this research that that switched him off. Well, don't let him near milk, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Do not. Yeah. I mean, if he was a chef, he wouldn't have been involved with this research and none of of this would have happened. But if he was and he did, then there'd be more knives. Yeah, he would be better armed. It's true. You're right. Like it, it's it wouldn't have been it would have been the the poisoned bag of milk as as one of the as the most memorable murder weapon. He'd be making sausages. <laughs> It'd be Sweetie Todd is what it comes down to. Yes, yes, indeed. But this but this this does continue the giallo trend of weird food stuff with the poison. <laughs> yes, milk. it does. There's, there, there does seem to be, in, in many of them, a, a weird food thing at some point. And bad science. Ba- oh, bad Wait till we get to the next movie. Bad science. Holy friggin' shit. We'll, we'll get to that. But I mean, and the food thing, it's they're Italians. So, I mean, I guess the, 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 the food thing makes sense. You gotta, have, you gotta have people angry. You have to have good food. You have to have loud voices and bad science. Yeah. There you go. That's, all that's my whole growing up years. Now you guys watch a lot. It's your whole. <laughs> you guys watch a lot more Jallo than I have. I mean, I, but in my mind, they should be a lot more bloody. Am I crazy? This seemed kind of 
it's by the all like very bloodless. You are not, not crazy. It was it is one of the the least bloody giallos we've watched for this series. And what we've noticed is they've been getting progressively more uh bloody as it goes. Now, granted, this was released in early 1971 and I think nearly every movie, with the exception of uh, Don't Torture a Duckling, which was 72, uh, but most of them are 1971. And it's not like there's this progression that's not happening over the course of years. It's happening over the course of months. It's like, oh, man, you know, March of 71, things were all right. But by August, holy shit, did things get real. But then he goes back in time because we watch Okia Neri and there was like one good real kill scene. Another blind person movie. Did you guys see that one, Dark Glasses? I don't think we watched that one yet, no. Blind, blind Prostitute movie. Came out like a year or two no, ago. No, we have not. That came out during COVID. But it's, it is Dario Argento. Oh, is it? Okay. It's, like his, it's his latest addition to the... Uh, to the uh, the pantheon. Sometimes I forget he directed movies after the nineties. <laughs> so did audiences worldwide. <laughs> Thankfully, that is not necessarily true of our second film today. Released less than a year after Cat of Nine Tales in December of nineteen seventy one, this is Four Flies on Grey Velvet. An innocent man becomes a target of insanity as he steps into the crosshairs of a homicidal maniac with a need for revenge. <laughs> on gray velvet. Join us for a journey into the dark and endless caverns of a sick and twisted mind. Join us for a journey into living hell. Flies on Grey Velvet, rated PG. Directed and written by Dario Argento from a story by Argento, Mario Fogletti, and Luigi Cosi, Four Flies on Grey Velvet revolves around drummer Roberto Tobias, played by American actor Michael Brandon, who would later star in the 80s British cop series Dempsey and Makepeace. Uh, the film also stars Mimsy Farmer, Jean-Pierre Marielle, Francine Rossetti, and legendary Italian comic actor Bud Spencer. And right off the bat, this film feels more like a real follow-up to Bird with the Crystal Plumage. And while I don't think it's necessarily as good as that film, you could feel Argento is much more at home stylistically in this film than in Cat of Nine Tales. One thing I, I found that was interesting about this movie is the sheer tonnage of red herrings that lead nowhere. Oh, oh my God. Randomness. What, oh, what is yeah, the beating it's... heart at the beginning? I thought that was going to carry through the whole thing. No. No, it's just cool. <laughs> it's just a cool image for your, your opening titles. Because, you know, there, I guess there's... Because you know, why not? Why not? Again, why not? There, there's the tagline for Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Why not? Because like, <laughs> we open with, like, we open with the band playing. He's a drummer in a yep. band. And we get the shot out of the guitar, out of the musician's guitar. I thought the, that was clever. I thought that was great. But again, it follows under the, why not? Why not? Let's do it. Hey, Dario, how about this? I got a camera. We'll shoot from inside the guitar. Throw it in. Do Why it. Not? I love it. In the context of Argento's filmography, this feels more like the connective tissue 
between Bird with the Crystal Plumage and Deep Red. Like you could feel that that some of the the pieces of Deep Red are forming in this film. And and it's an interesting. At the outset, Roberto is being followed by this unknown figure in a hat and glasses. And from the way the film is cut, this seems to have been going on for a long time. And finally, Roberto one evening is fed up and as one might be and he starts following the guy. Now, I have a question. I don't know if it was supposed to be New Year's Eve or some other kind of celebration, but there's people walking around throwing confetti. Now, I thought maybe that's just a thing. It's early 1970s Italy, so hey, let's throw confetti. But it, it's it, it, there seems to be a celebration. Oh, it's probably the feast day for Saint Who the Fuck Knows yeah, or something. Yep, that's uh, you, you're probably you're absolutely right. It's, it just wants Rip Taylor. It, Throw in uh, confetti <laughs> wherever he goes. Honestly, Rip Taylor as the killer in this movie would have been amazing. Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, that would have that would have been a reveal. And when he chases after this guy is where we get, which I I you almost never see a split diopter where the line is horizontal instead of yes. in frame. So you get the cigarette butt going down uh, in the fore- foreground. And then is he steps to follow the guy uh, who is in focus in the in the background. But uh, I mean, the first 15 minutes of this movie ha- has more style than all of Cat Nine Tales. Absolutely. It's just like it, it feels like someone who was pent up and was just exploding. Yeah. And and even like that confetti thing, I you know, maybe there was a holiday, maybe not. I think this is just all of a sudden a a more dreamlike world where where logic doesn't matter clearly there's a mystery but no one investigates absolutely this is this is amazing. I, like this is what i want this is the giallo we're looking for this, <laughs> this is, is this gi- is the giallo this is not the abc movie of the week version of giallo <laughs> right this is you know and, and, i mean just him going into the theater he follows this this guy this stranger who's stalking him into a theater and this is amazing set of shots where he goes through like three like red curtains and the camera is pushing through in a first person thing. It's like you're headed into the the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks and it's like boom, boom, boom. And then you end up in this empty theater and it's like it it's this quality of like liminal space. It's large and empty and it's devoid of the context of which a theater. And it's all in decayed and it, it was a cool space. Well, there's confetti all over. I appreciate that they just kind of throw us in, you know, in media res, basically, right? Where it's just like, he comes out after playing drums. He's like, hey, there's the guy that's been following me for God knows how long. I'm going <laughs> to <Yeah>. get him. <laughs> I'm going to go. Let's get him. That was your whole plan was let's yeah. get him. And, you know, he go, they go into this theater and, and you you see that the, he catches up with a man uh, who draws a knife. There's a struggle. Roberto stabs the guy and then he falls into the orchestra pit. And all of this being watched by an unknown person wearing the creepiest mask I've ever seen in any movie ever. You want you want to make a horror movie that's going to scare the fuck out of people, make a horror movie where the person is wearing the mask from Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Absolutely. That's that's your horror movie. That's a freebie right there. <laughs> Shit, I shouldn't have said that. Where's my pen? I gotta write this down. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> 2023. Chris Iannico. <laughs> when you see the, the creepy masked photographer show up, you wonder, clearly this isn't a chance encounter, right? I no, mean- no. 
this guy wasn't just hanging out in this theater waiting for something to happen, <laughs> like waiting for a, a killing in self-defense to occur. That's correct. <laughs> this might be important. It might be important. Absolutely. And it, it's interesting because it's almost the reverse of the gallery scene from Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Right. In that film, Sam finds himself trapped watching an attack transpire and without understanding its context. Right. Here, Roberto's the one being attacked, but he also doesn't understand the context. And and it's the events are being watched by another party. Also, the mask made me think of that puppet from Deep Red. I feel like it's like oh, yeah. a precursor to that Deep Red puppet, for sure. Now, that's a creepy damn puppet. That is a creepy puppet. What I was going to say, I like how he accidentally stabs the man and then just walks off. So he gets well, he what he gets. he fell into an orchestra pit. Who could survive that? <laughs> And he's like, deuces, I don't want to be involved with this later. So you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Right. He was, I mean, I guess I was saying he was attacked, but really he was chasing the other dude. Yeah. Who was like, I guess I'm going to stab you in self-defense. So maybe I mean, honestly, though, if you, if you let him die and then call the cops, you could spin any yarn you like. Yeah. Oh, that makes me look really bad. That's a terrible thing to <laughs> but say. There Shit. was the you photographer. Got it, you got it all figured out, man. Chris, you're planning ahead. Oh, you got it in your dope. back pocket. Yes, Your Honor, I did hear the defendant say <laughs> that if you just let the man die and walked away, you could spin any yarn. Spin you any yarn. That's going to be the line we all repeat on the witness stand. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto goes home to his wife, Nina, played by Mimsy Farmer, whose short blonde hair immediately made me think of Marie Fredrickson from Roxette. <laughs> it must have been love. Yeah, but it's over now. It's over. Uh- <laughs> Oh, perfect. Oh, I love it. Uh, and, and Roberto, you know, he tries to get on with his regular life, but he's obviously troubled by what happened. I know what's going to make him feel better. W- what would make him feel better? A-, a party, just to relax with your friends who aren't jerks. Yeah, uh, just a he, nice party. I argue that he's a jerk, and he was only troubled by the fact <laughs> that some son of a bitch is, is uh, leaving pictures around. I think he, he would have just walked on with living his best life, yeah. except for that. That would have troubled me. Bossing his band around, yes. <laughs> there is evidence that he is not the most morally upstanding guy, which we will get to in da, a little da, bit. Da. Uh, we'll... One could argue. One could argue. <laughs> One could argue. Uh, first of all, I want to mention Roberto's house is on the list of giallo dwellings I love. Even though he's got a neighbor whose Swedish porn keeps getting misdelivered. <laughs> like it's, I mean, you know, it's, that this house is in fact in Rome's man. red herring district yes. because yeah, there's so many red herring. Oh, oh it's amazing. The, they keep just abusing that guy. It's right out of Boogie Nights. It's fabulous. <laughs> it is. It really is. And I, I, I am here for it. My the, God. The poor crippled guy across the street, he just needs a little porn. Okay? Swedish, Honestly. Swedish, I mean, preferably. from Sweden. Sweden. <laughs> well, he's getting the high-end stuff, you know. <laughs> there, that is the best. No question. Important. That's, that's ethically sourced it's and uh, organic. Free range. <laughs> yes. It's, it's nothing like Only the best Swedish design. free range pornography. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, but Roberto starts getting threatening messages and, and you know, they have this party. They decide to feel better. Let's have a party. And they introduce a bunch of guys who might be like 
possible like oh this is a way to introduce our people who might be the, the behind the thing including the guy who tells this story about a random like person being beheaded in the middle east which then becomes the centerpiece of roberto's recurring nightmare yeah i would think the dude you stabbed and left in an orchestra pit might be the centerpiece of your recurring nightmare <laughs> instead of this random fucking story told by your frizzy haired friend yes one would think <laughs> well it at least it wasn't uh, recurring flashbacks to the story about the famous French chef's funeral. Uh, <laughs> I, I shuddered to think what that would have been. Yes, I, indeed. indeed. Oh, and he finds, I, say, I should say, in the middle of this party, he finds a photo of the killing hidden between two records. So presumably someone at the house must be behind it or involved who knows? Anything can happen in the red herring district of Rome, yep. uh, where his house clearly is in the suburban part of the red herring. Oh, and and with the red herring, that housekeeper gives him the dirtiest look. I don't even know why you would employ her. Like it, she seems yeah. like <laughs> honestly, I, I I don't think I I would have asked her to go. The place wasn't that big. It was like no! a two bedroom apartment, and one of the bedrooms is the living maid. <laughs> Sweet I theorize that it's Catholicism, and you need someone there judging you, making you feel guilty. You need Stregonona oh, pointing at you because they're. Uh, is that yeah. extra? Is that is that, is that is that just a tip for Christmas to add the extra judgment? Yes. Is that or is that in the in the weekly salary? I don't- <laughs> Late one night, Roberto's attacked in his house by the masked figure who tells him that he's all alone and that eventually the unknown individual is going to kill Roberto. And and Roberto, to his credit, does makes his first smart move where he tells his wife the whole story. He doesn't he doesn't try to keep it from her. What is less smart is doing it with an earshot of the judgmental maid. That is a mistake. Yes, yes. Without anyone else to turn to, Roberto goes looking for God. You know where God is? You surprise me, brother. God is here, he's there, and he's everywhere. And he's fishing down by the river. Hey, buddy, you got a hundred lira to spare? I got fifty. Hmm. It ain't much, but it'll do. God! Godfrey, not God. What the hell is wrong with Godfrey? Think of something else to call me, something less appropriate. If you're going to call me God, at least you could call me God Almighty. God is his friend Godfrey, and he lives in a shack down by the river where he catches fish and talks to a parrot named Jerkle. Does that translate? Uh, and, and honestly, we've stepped into a completely different film for yes, like 10 minutes. Yes, we have. We've stepped into a Bud Spencer comedy where everybody looks like they might have come out of the cast of the film version of Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Like, it's insane. Yes. The, 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 the kindly hobo that lives in a hammock in the, in the woods nearby who's like, hey, I'll help out. Yeah. Thank goodness yeah, he he's there. He's the professor. I think they call him the professor because he knows a bunch of bible quotes uh which are always like misquotes i don't know if it's intentional it's it's the hobo and the the professor and bud spencer are in a completely different movie it's kind of fascinating but it's totally different yes 
Absolutely. And is our next spinoff. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <We> also, <laughs> Bud Spencer and the Professor. That's what you call it. It's God and the Professor. Hallelujah. And this feels like a blown out version of the artist at the toward the end of Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Yes. It feels like a similar impulse, but just, you know. He's got the more famous comedian. Rather than being one scene, it's a thread. Oh, it's a runner. Apparently, the Godfrey character comes from Frederick Brown's novel, The Screaming Mimi, which was the unofficial basis for Bird with the Crystal Plumage. So I guess oh. he, he couldn't fit it in there. So he he put, you know, he's like, oh, we'll put it in Four Flies because it makes as much sense as anything. And weird food alert here. Oh, yeah, because he's got the fish. Yeah, he catches just, the fish from the polluted river. Just eating them. Now, thankfully, he doesn't feed it to anybody sensually, like in fucking <laughs> Death Walks on High Heels, where I have to watch somebody scoop fish into a woman's mouth as if that's sexy. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! I'm try- I'm gonna have a recurring nightmare now. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazing. But you need to wash it down with some milk. That's what makes it all better. Warm milk. I want room temperature. Milk. Yeah, it needs to be out four or five hours. Delish. What's the only real like story point here is that that Godfrey gives him uh, the name of a private detective. Um, who Orosio, who is a bit eccentric, but he's smart and cheap. And eventually, after frankly too long, uh, Roberto is going to go to Orosio. And Orosio is kind of a great character. We'll get to him in a little bit. But then, you know, we, we then come back. He comes back home. There's a weird running gag with Roberto mistakenly attacking the mailman. Like that keeps happening where he's like, oh, he thinks the mailman's the, the guy and he keeps attacking him. Well, the mailman keeps smelling his mail. What's that about? <laughs> well, I think it's the Swedish porn. He's smelling the porn. It's the because he keeps getting complaints about the porn. I don't know if it's scented. Maybe it's <laughs> scratch and sniff. It's, oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, good God. Well, I mean, and the attack <laughs> the first time was like a tense moment. And right. then every other time it's like do 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 like it's circus music. <laughs> now it's comedy. <laughs> it's Benny Hill. It's do, Benny do, do, Hill. It is, yes, it, it's, it's the Benny Hill theme. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Roberto and Nina's maid seems to know who the attacker is and makes an attempt to blackmail them. Good and. Uh, that is, yeah, it is. It is not going to work out too well. Uh, she is killed after an attempted meeting with the masked figure in the park. And here's another scene where we see Argento pushing those style boundaries. Because holy shit, this scene is amazing. Yeah, when she's on the phone, the maid with the you know trying to blackmail, you get the yeah. flashes of the loony bin. Oh right. Uh, then when she's in the park. It's daytime and it goes tonight in this very weird kind of, uh, I mean, it's not a montage, but I guess series of shots and you see the other couple there and then then they're gone blinks out. Yeah. It's just a hard cut. You have the carousel, the creepy carousel music, and then it's, it's gone and it's really interesting. And there's like a chase through this maze of tall hedges, which honestly feels like a precursor to the chase from the shining. And, and then she's killed near one of the park walls. You know what? If you're going to meet your blackmailer, don't do it in a park with walls in the middle of the night. Right. In the middle. Well, I guess it was supposed to be during the day. She was there for an awful long time. And at a certain point, she didn't cut bait and go. But like it, but you can hear like the bystanders on the other side of the wall can hear the attack happen. And it's really 
like we've mentioned this theme of being alone in a city filled with people. And it's a common theme in Gialli in general, in Argento's films in particular. Rarely is that idea depicted as effectively as it is here in this scene. It's it's an incredible scene. Like this, this movie is not as good as some of the others, but it's the scenes where it's pushing the boundaries are amazing. I love the the crazy couple. Help me, help me. Yeah, you'll be fine. He did a couple half-assed jumps. I can't ask my girlfriend for a leg up on the wall. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. (laughs) You'll be fine. So Nina's cousin, Dahlia, shows up. And honestly, Roberto reacts as well as I would in that scenario. I'd be like, I don't want, I don't want, I'm... I, I'm dealing with some shit. There's a guy in a mask and there's photos. And listen, I killed a dude in an orchestra pit. I don't need your cousin here. Exactly. Uh, it's around this time we get a pretty significant twist where we learn that Carlo Morosi, the man Robert believe he kills, is actually alive. And it's a great, great twist. And the whole thing was staged with a retractable knife. And Carlo was hired by the person in the mask who subsequently kills Carlo for real. And and there's, that's another great scene where we switch between the POV of the killer and the victim. Like, it's really, like, there's the blood that gets spilled on the, on the camera as if it's, like, on the on the POVs, it's really really something. You see that, like the killer in this movie. There's that the like literally the the black gloves kind of coming. I love those strong Argento Giallo moments, and you see those absolutely. In That's pure profonda rosa. Yeah, the black gloves. Yeah, absolutely. And and th- that mask, the mask that this killer wears is the creepy. It's not like the faceless killer of blood and black lace is pretty unsettling. This is worse. Like I am. I'm upset by that mask. I, 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 it is, it's really something. It's, it looks like the mask from Devo that they use for some things, but it also oh, yeah. is the mask from, is it Happy Death Day, Kevin? Happy Which Death are the- Day. <laughs> yes, Happy Death Day. The, the, the baby, the Bayfield baby from Happy Death Day. <laughs> and Happy Death Day to you. Uh, two movies that I love and, and are one of some of the best like uh, contemporary horror. I love those so movies. So much fun. I yeah. wish they'd make a third one. They're so fun. Oh, no question. Oh, absolutely. Can I ask a question? Yes. Does it does it make sense earlier in the movie? I'm not going to spoil anything. But does it make sense that when he's attacked at home, you know what I mean? Like yes. When you when you realize who the killer is, I think we'll circle back to that yes. on the other side of our spoiler line. Yes. Uh, and and I'll say this much is I I watched that section of the movie again this morning. And I think it does. Okay. But it's, 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 uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, So we get our first clue about the killer's possible motive when we get that memory flashback of like a cat being hung and the padded walls of an asylum cell. We hear a man's voice berating someone. Right. Saying, I wanted a son, not a weakling like you, and you'll end up in asylum. It's all kinds of loving parent stuff. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and, Roberto Roberto goes and he does hire uh, the private investigator Orosio when Godfrey uh, said he was eccentric. Uh, turns out that was code for gay. Orosio is is the gay private investigator, and it's super interesting because we have this gay character in 1971 Italy who is just completely open about his sexuality and isn't a, fit- a figure of ridicule. Right, and it's really great. Like the character is terrific. Like. He's a fun character, but the movie isn't making fun of him. 
And it's not something you'd expect to see in 1971. Not at all. It's interesting because he talks about how he's never solved a case. So he's due. But he's <laughs> so he's also shown as being like supremely competent. Yeah, like a real like detective who's you know doing the work and he's putting the clues together. So it, it is an interesting choice. It is, and and in fact, I mean, I'll say it. He solves the mystery. He we'll does. we'll learn. Like he solves the mystery, <laughs> and it's and it's great. Uh, so that the following the murder of the maid, Nina decides she's going to leave the house for an indefinite period. But strangely, her cousin stays, which is weird. Well, le- it, it gets a lot less strange. Well, it leads me to my next question. Is it normal to take a bath with your wife's cousin in the in room? Italy? Then my next note was, wow, that escalated quickly because pretty soon she's in the bath with him. And and this is what I alluded to before. He might not be the most morally upstanding guy. Wait, wait. Are you saying that that's not what always happens? That you don't often give your sister-in-law, brother-in-law, wife's cousin, <laughs> Uncle Freddie, a little massage while he's in the bathtub? That's not normal? <laughs> Not typically. Oh, that's not the Italian style I'm familiar with. (laughs) It's a whole other Italian style, my God. Now, Um, love Italian style. (laughs) Why why didn't he leave with his wife? He said something like, I'm going to be a man and face this or something along those lines. I guess. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it would have been even worse, I guess, if they let, I mean, if they left the cousin, which they kind of, well, we'll get to that. But the cousin's not going to come out of this too great. Uh, there's some curious things with the cousin, but like curious. The, the curious, yeah, they do. The, I was actually uh, impressed that they bothered to then retro backfill her character with a single line of dialogue that states that she always had a crush on him. Oh well, uh, I guess that makes it all you know, fine. I, I think it comes like ten minutes after they have sex, and I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> that's, that's all I needed. needed. That's all I needed. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Uh, I will say Argento does a much better job with the shoe leather in this movie because instead of getting like just the random scene where we get a clue and then like we just have this montage where the the private investigator is off like, you know, going in and and doing the, uh, you know, the the stuff and and doing the the legwork and in a a montage. Orosio's only real flaw is his reticence to discuss things on the phone. Hello? It's me, Orosio. Uh, No real news, but I was studying the photographs and I noticed a strange physical resemblance. Between who? Well, it may be a red herring. I'll tell you another time. Uh, We'll talk about it later, click. (laughs) Like, if you had said something, maybe, you know... This is the red herring district. You gotta say that stuff when you have the chance. Absolutely. Don't wait for later. That was kind of a bummer when he bit the dust. I was kind of shocked. I was like, what the hell? Yeah! Yeah, Orosio, he goes off to this mental hospital called Via Rapidi, which Roberto has never heard of. And and basically, he solves the mystery before being cornered in a public bathroom and having blue liquid injected into his heart, which kills him, which may be the milk from the last movie. <laughs> I, I swear I'd never made this connection, and this was a family favorite movie four flies on gray velvet what kind of family do you yeah. have it's yeah like, no well almost back massages in the bathtub that, that kind of family yeah. <laughs> no the blue liquid injected into the heart i instantly connected with the man with two brains yeah oh which while yeah i knew it was a parody of kind of 50s sci-fi stuff 
I'm like, oh, all of the all of the killer stuff with the Windex is a geophile. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's oh, it. I wow. never, ever made that connection. Not that, I mean, frankly, I've watched more Giallo films in the past five weeks than I think I have my whole life because I've, I've only seen the big ones up until we did this series, which has been nice for me um, to see them all. But yeah, the man with two brains is secretly also a Giallo. That's right. amazing. That is, I, that was a family favorite, the man with two brains? <laughs> it's Christmas. Let's put you, it on. Yeah. When your dad is a, a, also a, a brain doctor. Uh, that that movie has lots of fun jokes, yes. So there's an odd, we have another odd interlude with Bud Spencer and at the Coffin Exposition. Oh my God, the, that was so fantastic. Ama- it's amazing, but it, it it's like, why is this here? At the, uh, other than just to be, ama- like, honestly, the separate Bud Spencer series, like, it would, <laughs> would just be fantastic. But yeah, the double coffin and it's, I know it's satire of like, I guess the funerary industry in Italy in the 70s. And but Italian design. So ridiculous. I mean, Quincy didn't spend this much time in your coffins, for God's sake. <laughs> That's a deep hole. What happens, uh, while, while he's off with Bud Spencer at the funerary exhibition, Dahlia is having memories of the same voice that the killer was recalling. And you know, she hears noises in the house. Um, she goes and investigates. She finds a door leading to the attic, which appears to be the same place that we've seen the killer. And she hides in a wardrobe. The killer comes in, and it's a great tense moment where she's hiding in the wardrobe. Uh, she does not find the way to Narnia, just for those who were who were thinking. Uh, instead, she she comes out of the wardrobe uh, just in time to get a knife to the head. That's bad timing. And then down the stairs, which is an amazing shot. <laughs> the stairs where was the, the stair best part. shot is incredible. Yeah. Like holy shit. Like when uh, when when Argento is on fire in this movie, he is on fire, and that is another great great scene. My biggest complaint is there are not enough of the classic Argento yeah. strange and bizarre deaths. I agree. It, it, when when they come, they're great. Right. But there's there's not quite enough of them right. the way like Deep Red would have them. Absolutely. Um, we have the funeral for Dahlia, which is held in the lobby of the Tertzi Institute because it's all white marble, and then. Then we get some funerary exposition where one of the cops comes up to to Roberto and says, hey, we're going to pull the last image from Dahlia's eye because it was burned into her retina. Won't you come this way, please? What's this all about? I want to have a test performed on the girl's eyes. It's been recently discovered that the last image seen by the victim before death is retained for several hours on the retina. It's a very difficult procedure, but it is possible to photograph this image. Experiments carried out in uh, Germany, the United States, and more recently in Italy have had surprisingly good results. In some cases, it's even been possible to distinguish the murderer's face at the very moment he committed the crime. What are they? They look like flies full of flies. Yes, you're right. That's exactly what they look like. What does it mean? 
the idea that the retina retains the last image it was exposed to is an idea known as optography. And it was widely believed to be true in the Victorian era, and it has been entirely debunked, except in this case in 1970s Italy, they were able to use it successfully. More bad Italian science. Oh, God. It's it's amazing. It was debunked 100 <laughs> years prior to the uh, movie coming out, basically. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. But I mean, and what I love is that you have this scene where they bring him the, the lab and it's it's not like subtle. There's a fucking eyeball on a on a like stick in the middle. Like it's one step away from Will Smith in Wild Wild West. Right. Where they have the head and they literally shine light through the eyes and you, oh, there's an image of the killer. Except in that movie, they have the whole head. <laughs> if I wanted a crazy eyeball scene, I'd pop in Lucio Fulci. Okay. Uh, yes. Yes. You. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I think that junk science is why J and B Scotch did not sponsor this movie. No, they're they're Unlike better than literally that, Rob. Every other. <laughs> yes. God, I mean, they're in every other Giallo movie except these two, and it must be because yeah. of the crap science. Well, and. And I appreciate that the eye can't just look at the, the killer's face. No, no. Thanks for that. It's the four flies, which we'll get an explanation for in about a minute. That's the fight or flight response, that you will not look at the killer. Right. You, you'll look at something else. If you yeah. knew it was going to burn it into your retina, maybe you would have. I think what we should put in our spoiler line here, if you absolutely do not want to know the identity of the killer, you could skip ahead to the next chapter right now. Believing the killer's coming for him next, Roberto holds up in his house with a handgun. He takes an American solution to it. He buys a gun. He's on the phone with Godfrey when the line goes dead. And then moments later, Nina arrives home and Roberto tries to get her to leave for her own safety. My God, get out of here. The killer is coming. And then he notices Nina's necklace, which has got a fly in like this. Why would you wear that necklace? It's a fly in like a, like on a thing. Like who? And and when it swings, it looks like multiple flies on gray velvet. And Roberto realizes it was Nina all along. I, I mean, honestly, has she worn this necklace before? Because only a sociopath would fucking wear that necklace. It's like it's crazy. Why would you have this fly on your chest? Like, why would you want that? Yeah, there's a lot of issues. The statement necklace. Statement. It is a statement that you're crazy. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of issues with this. I mean, just, I mean, is this big in fashion, having bugs around your neck? And how, how much <sighs> do you have to whip your head back and forth to get it to like... <laughs> now it's four flies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, so it, it was... Roberto realizes it was Nina all along... But she grabs the gun that he bought and shoots him in the shoulder. Most murders in the home happen with the gun that people own. And uh, and Four Flies on Gravel illustrates that point. Uh, we then learn that Roberto was a dead ringer for Nina's father, who was the voice that we heard. Disappointed she was not born a boy, he abused her as a child and forced her to live as a boy. He had her committed to the Villa Rapidi Asylum, and when he died, uh, they considered her cured, but she was frustrated because she wanted to kill her father herself. So what does she do? She meets Roberto, a man who looks just like her father. She marries that guy, puts in a multi-year plan into effect. Which involves having sex with your father. 
multiple times. Presumably, you don't get the impression they're newlyweds. Right. No, you don't. Uh, and then hiring a guy to follow that your your husband around until he accidentally kills him. There's so many moving pieces. It's one pea jar short of the plot from Batman versus Superman colon Dawn of Justice. That's correct. Martha. Uh, uh, Martha. My God. The, the father's name was Martha. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was that would have been the answer, and and so she met him, she married him. This elaborate scheme. Years pass. Years pass. Uh, it, they've been married, and they move into this amazing boogie nights in Italy home. I so. mean, my God, that's because she's rich as fuck. It's not. She, from yeah, him. she's apparently rich. Um, Italian boogie nights is a movie I want to watch. I won't lie to you. <laughs> And then, you know, it, it, we get this movie that must have provided some inspiration for Sleepaway Camp. Like, it it, it yes. had to have. Like, uh, there's we, we covered Sleepaway Camp in our Don't Get Me Another Halloween series, but we hadn't seen this movie yet. So, holy shit, we didn't. We, now we're all just putting the pieces together. Now, did he make her dress as a boy or did he just give her a boy's haircut? Unclear. Because this did. How did the. How did Dahlia, the cousin. Right. Did she like was was I'm not clear how this works. Like, did she know Nina as a boy or a girl? Like, she clearly remembers the father. Right. When she showed up in the house, was she surprised that Nina is Nina? Uh and 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 or did her father make her go by another name? Was she Nunzio? Well, uh, it's unclear. Well, and also the the cousin presumably saw the father. Presumably she's got memories of his voice. And then has had a crush on <laughs> her cousin's husband this whole time, and her husband's cousin is a dead ringer for the father. Well, now it gets what really What say weird. about the cousin? Well, shit. Yeah. Well, now I gotta lie down. That's weird. That's uh, I didn't think of that, and that's... Uh... Although, truth be told, I, I like to think that maybe this points to the fact that he actually isn't necessarily a dead ringer for the father. Right. That maybe it's just all in in Nina's crazy head. That she's yeah yeah just his vibe. Yeah, it's yeah. just a vibe, and you know he's he's got a vibe. Well, it's one of those things where it's like okay, she's a maniac. As the cops, this is clearly the work of a maniac. Uh, so she's crazy. If she's crazy, just let her be crazy. When you try to give her yeah. a convoluted reason for her, right? It's like what the. And it's it's a super convoluted reason that I don't think amounts to a whole lot. No. Like she could have just been crazy. Like it, again, it feels like they read an in-flight magazine on on Alitalia about like oh this <laughs> this child who was forced to live as a gender other than what they were, and then by extension, oh, he said, well, let's make that the backstory for a killer. I don't think it makes any sense, but hey, it's you know, yeah, it's good reading it's, when you're flying from from Rome to uh, to Milan. How about she's as it, small as a spider monkey, but seems to be able to dispatch <laughs> people left and right. Left and, she gets him in like a garrot earlier in the movie. He's like, oh, I'm totally at your mercy. Oh. She fucking kills a guy, someone with barbed wire. Like a barbed wire garrot. And, you know, I mean, when she's not injecting Drano into this guy's heart. Holy shit. So this is, this is what we were talking about earlier. Where it was like, he gets up in the middle of the night. She's asleep in bed. Then he's attacked yes. by the killer. Okay. Yes, and I watched that scene, and the, it's interesting because he he sort of the powers out, like he flips the switch and it doesn't turn on, and he kind of proceeds into the darkness, 
and he thinks he hears something, but could it be the cat? And then the attack comes from behind him. So I, I watched that because I said to myself, I, I want to know that all this tracks. Now, again, this movie is is straining the bounds of credibility in terms of its motive, but the attack at home could have happened. It's all in the dark and it comes from behind. Uh, again, she's she's a she's a very tiny, you know, she's not a big girl. She's but, five, maybe. You know, I mean, maybe she had lifts. You know, maybe <laughs> she, had she had lifts in her shoes like Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Yeah, exactly like Ron DeSantis. Uh, exactly. That's there. <laughs> there we go. Oh God! Uh, don't you know? That's uh, it's our our that's our, our first political comment of this show. My God, it's our shock. Ron DeSantis is so long. You know uh, exactly. It's been oh my. Is God. that political to talk about shoes? No, I'm not sure. Yes, maybe but I don't know. Well, is, um, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, I I think what you're. What you're keying in on with all of this stuff, right, is that uh, not the shoes, the other stuff, <laughs> but that this is a movie that is more of Argento's uh, strengths are bubbling through with yes. the, kind of like the the dream logic, the unreality or surreality of things. And yet it's still kind of tied tenuously to what is kind of a normalish story, right? It's kind right. of still just a regular thriller. And those things are there's tension, right? Because that stuff does not always. They don't fit. necessarily go together. Like yeah. the Bud Spencer runner in this film doesn't necessarily. I like them both, yeah. But they don't necessarily yeah. connect. But the road to Deep Red goes through Four Flies through Gravel. Yeah, uh, Four Flies on Gravel. Because Bird with Crystal Plumage, the stuff, the weird stuff wasn't quite as weird, right? And right. it kind of fit. And the whole thing was unhinged and the obsession of the main character. Uh, whereas this, you know, it does, there is, you know, it's not really an investigation, but there, it does feel a little more mysterious as to like, why is someone trying to kill me and, and how can I survive and all of that? So it's just, it's a little too, the story's a little too normal to go with the rest of the stuff, but then right. yeah, we're about, he, he's about to jettison the normal story of it all. Right. Well, and we'll, we'll yeah. get to deep red in a couple of, what, what's interesting about this one in particular, and compared to the other two giallos he had done so far, the first two are about like people who, who see or overhear something they otherwise wouldn't have been party to and then get involved in this mystery here. The main character is targeted from the get-go like he he couldn't avoid it unless he called the cops right. hey guys i just accidentally stabbed the dude and left him in a in an orchestra pit and maybe that might have been the way out but she must have known her husband's a dick or how about i'm being stalked there's a stalker chasing me get the yeah uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a famous drummer for yes. a rock and roll band i have a stalker because that's never happened before <laughs> absolutely well and the other thing is that the call up ringo and ask him what to do it's a big issue uh the other thing about it is that the killer is not trying to kill him for most of the movie she's just fucking with him yeah yes in that in that mask, my God! It's we should get to the end because the ending of this movie. There's Nina shoots Robert Roberto a few more times yeah. before she can finish him off. Godfrey bursts in. God comes in at the last minute. There's your Catholicism strain, right? God oh. comes in at the last minute. Literally, Deus ex machina. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> literally, <Yeah>. literally. <laughs> And and knocks the the gun out of the killer's hand. Like Nina runs off, she gets into a car and unprompted drives into a back of a truck. 
Fantastic. And gets her head cut clean off. And and it explodes. And the best way to end any movie is an explosion freeze frame. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. I will say the the print that we watched, did you guys go to Italian randomly yes. a couple times? Yes. yes. I couldn't find a version of it that didn't. No. It seemed to be just the one that was out there. It went to Italian randomly. Whatever I mean, she I got the, spoke at the very end. It's it at the switch, very end. But only her. Yeah. Yeah, only her. And I got the gist of it, but it was still uh uh, I I know Severin has put out a new 4K disc. Maybe that I'm sure that's been corrected because I haven't read anything about it. Uh, it's apparently very tough to come by. Yeah. It's a shame that this is a harder movie to track down than Cat of Nine Tails because I liked it a lot more. Absolutely, and even the print. If you watch the same way I did, it was kind of shitty every yeah. now and again. Every was- yeah, and everyone I looked at, and I looked at a couple just to try and find if I could find a good one, I would have sent it your way. But but I, every one of them was the same, and that must have been how that movie was presented. Like it That's just it. It must have been the bit, you know, until until the most recent restoration, which I have not. Uh, I I don't have yet a 4K player, so I don't even I don't even have let alone have that disc. Well, so. and I wonder. I but, think I read somewhere that it had been kind of lost to posterity. Yeah, so it, this was just like the best that they could come up with. Yeah, yeah, and and thankfully, I mean, it's still it's still good, yeah, it but is. it does, you know, it, it 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 they do go to Italian randomly, um, you know, and and neither of these films are necessarily on the same level as Bird with the Crystal Plumage or Deep Red, but at least Four Flies on Gray Velvet, you could kind of feel it moving, you could feel the line, and right. it's hanging on that. Whereas Cat of Nine Tails feels kind of like a sidestep. Yeah, I think there not enough Luigi Cozy in that. Not enough. No, definitely not. And uh, you know, but the the one thing Cat of Nine Tails has going for it is that there aren't thirty minutes inside of a courtroom. So, <laughs> oh yeah, there's that's true. Still, that's still far more entertaining than some of the <laughs> that bloodstained butterfly, which had yeah. a, a courtroom which also drama. Entertaining ish, you know. I, yeah, I like honestly, I don't think for me there's been a stinker yet. When I regret saying no. that instantly because. <laughs> It probably means we're about to get one. Oh but, yeah! Well, um, thank you for jinxing it. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So I think uh, again, I think that probably brings us to the end of today's episode, uh, guys. Uh, we have it, it, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it has been fantastic having you with us. And can you tell us where both both of you are available, like on social media and oh, where the available. podcast you are you available? We're on available. social media in, in the in the swamp that is social media and where the podcast that wouldn't die can be found out in the world we are we're pretty yeah. much on all social media i mean we're on X. all social media as are we we're on, now we're even on threads uh we're, we're on, on threads and we're on blue sky it's we're with whatever comes out next week we'll get the fuck on that I, you know it's we're, we're on instagram yeah. we're on tiktok we're actually on youtube we simulcast our show there as well Oh, nice. Um, in terms of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else the finer podcasts are available. So join oh, us. Terrific. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and again, thank you so much for joining us. It, it's been fantastic. Uh, and, and next week, uh, we have two films from director Aldo Lado that push the boundaries of narrative structure in giallo films. So join us then as we look at Short Night of the Glass Dolls and Who Saw Her Die. And thank you so much for listening. Again, we are your hosts, Chris Iannacone and Rob Lamorges. 
If you've enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and following us at Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky, all at Get Me Another Pod. And if you like the show, please tell your friends about it. Tell your enemies about it. Tell anybody who (laughs) randomly throws confetti at you about it. And join us next time as we continue to explore what happens when studios say, get me another.